Hey, welcome to Scissors and Scrubs again. Here we are. <laughs> Another episode. Another episode. Uh, this episode's going to land us around Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. So in honor of those great military personnel, we decided to cover some of the military nurses. Um, again, it's one of those episodes that it's going to be hard to make it humorous. It's not much humor. Because POWs really aren't funny no. on any level. No. Um, but it's... I think really informative because I look at nurses today and we know our stuff and everything. These women were fucking badasses. Yeah. They were fucking badasses. Mm-hmm. And I was watching a documentary on these women and you see them all sitting around and they were all like 80 years old and they look like the bingo group. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't look at them twice. I'd be like, oh my God, look at these old ladies. And when you hear what they did and what they lived through, you're like, oh my God, you just have to give them yeah. so much respect. These yeah. women were badasses. Um, so I'm going to cover the Angels of Bataan. Mm-hmm. Bataan, Bataan. I'm going to call it Bataan, like Bataan. Um, <laughs> Probably not right. And then what are you going to get into? Um, Colonel Ruby Bradley. Ruby. Who was one of the name. Angels. And also um, Captain Jennifer Moreno. Um, who Sam served in Kandahar. Not to be related with Rita Moreno. Not that I know. The triple crown winner of the Oscar, the Tony, and the Grammy, I think. No, no not that I know from of. Electric Company? No. And you're too young yep. for Electric mm-hmm. Company. That's my favorite okay. show. I wasn't a Sesame Street girl. I was Electric Company. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, any stories we want to tell first? Anything happen that we can update our listeners to? You got anything? Any funny little tidbits? <laughs> no? No. Well, I, Do you? I have recently ended a 10-year episode of my life, Coming Off Nights. Oh, yeah. That's you right. left before me, and I was devastated. Mm-hmm. And now I'm off of nights. And I love you ladies that I worked with for 10 years, but, oh, my God, I'm so happy to be <laughs> off of nights. Okay. It's, it's so refreshing. It's, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. 10 years. I'm actually going to sleep in my bed Every night. It's really nice. All, yeah, every night. That's really nice. Though my husband snores really bad, so I don't know if that's a blessing or, or a curse. CPAP it. Get him a CPAP. Oh, he's going to get something. I might smother him. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to discuss the Angels of Bataan. Okay. So the, um, they're also known as the Battling Bells of Bataan. The 40s had a way of really dressing up some miserable shit. I love Making it. it like, oh, look at how great this is. Mm-hmm. great. And these girls are in these flowing gowns. They're the bells. Mm-hmm. But it's also really demeaning to these women and what they did with, you know. Yeah. Um, so I got my information from Wikipedia, and I read this really great book called Pure Grit by Mary Cronk Farrell. <laughs> um, it's a quick read, easy read, tons of pictures, <laughs> right up my alley. <laughs> and... Really informative. So I'm going to try to do the story. I'm probably going to be all over the place. I'm probably not going to be correcting some of my facts because it's very complicated mm-hmm. in the military way it went about. Right. So it starts in the Philippines, and it's like the eve of um, Pearl Harbor. I'm not even going to say World War II because they've been battling it in Europe for years. Now it's in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. and The eve of the U.S. getting involved. The, well, the U.S. involvement mm-hmm. of the awful Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. So at the time, the Philippines, I believe, is a U.S. territory. The Americans want to hold on to it because of their Manila Bay, I believe, is like the deepest. I want to say freshwater, but that doesn't make sense. But it has something to do with their bay is unique. So the Americans are holding on to this bay. Mm -hmm. 
MacArthur and the government are aware that the Japanese are acting up. And so the Americans are slowly and surely sending troops over to the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And the military nurses are kind of filtering in. But they think they're there to take care of the military families and just kind of like it's going to be Hawaii. It's it's palm trees and coconut trees mm -hmm. and everything's it's beautiful. It's, it's vacation time. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, we get to see the world. This is going to be fabulous. Mm -hmm. The women and the men aren't aware of what's going on, but the higher-ups are. Right. So they're training the Philippine army. They're training the American army. And they're trying to beef it up. And the plan is, if the Japanese invade the Philippines, they're going to evacuate everybody to the Bataan Peninsula, which is at the tip of the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And the American fleet's going to come in from the Pacific, and they're going to rescue everybody from Bataan. Mm -hmm. That's the plan. So December 7th, 1941. In the United States, it's December 7th. In the Philippines, because of the international dateline, it's December 8th. Mm -hmm. The Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. Right. They completely wipe out the Pacific fleet. Mm -hmm. Within hours, they're now invading the Philippines. So in Manila, there's a naval hospital mm -hmm. that the... It's, this is where it gets confusing because it talks about Navy nurses and the Army nurses and they're different entities. So the Navy nurses are stationed in this hospital in Manila. The Army nurses are, I believe, at like an air base or a clock base a little farther away. Mm -hmm. So the Japanese start bombing the shit out of the Philippines. And that immediately makes these women the first women to enter combat. And they're not prepared for wartime injuries. They're not prepared for combat. Right. So when they bomb this base, there's mass casualties. And like I said, it's the first time that women have seen combat. Um, they are working nonstop. Mm -hmm. They're just men flying into the hospital. They're amputating. They're helping. They're, they've just never seen gore right. on the magnitude that this is done. So when the attack is over, 85 are dead, 350 wounded. Immediately, the nurses are given like gas masks because they know that this is gonna to happen and the gas masks are from World War One. So one of the nurses is like, what the fuck am I gonna do with this? Like, she's like, but I guess I have nothing else if they decide to gas us. Might so help. I'll take my chances. Right. Um, little this, barrier. This is also the first time that nurses are issued dog tags. Hmm. So in, I can't believe it's the, I can't remember if it's the Navy or the Army. They didn't even have a rank because women just were nothing. Mm -hmm. So they called them like Miss Walsh, miss that you didn't have a rank. Yeah. So they are now issued dog tags because now there's like serious fighting. Mm -hmm. So over the next few days, probably the next two weeks actually, there's multiple attacks on the military. There's, um, and it heavily, heavily decimates whatever little fighting force was in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, when the Japanese land on December 21st, they land with 43,000 trained and healthy troops. Jesus. They've been training for years, our men alike. They've had a couple of months. Right. Um, so when they land, MacArthur's like, pull trucks, back up, let's go. So the Navy nurses stay in Manila at the hospital. And mm -hmm. the Army nurse, they retreat to the jungle to hospital number one. That's what it was called. Hospital number one. <laughs> wow. Hospital number one oh. was, um, like, um, thatched roofs. Nice. And that's it. Okay. So, so the, just roofs. Just no walls. Mm -hmm. um, cots with mm -hmm. mosquito netting. And that's where they operated. That's where they did everything mm -hmm. in the jungle. So um, they, the, milita the army nurses moved to the jungle. Mm -hmm. The Navy nurses are almost immediately captured. And, you know, they're describing what it was like to watch the American flag come down and watch the Japanese, Japanese flag go yeah. up. And when the Japanese officers confront the naval officers are like, uh, don't forget, because the women are terrified. 
that they're going to get raped and tortured. They've only heard stuff. They don't know what the Japanese are going to do to them. Right. So he's like, don't forget the Geneva Convention. Now, the Geneva Convention was a convention that discussed how you're going to treat prisoners of war and things like that. Right. And there was guidelines, which nobody followed. It's like a joke. Who's going to enforce this, really? Right. So the Japanese look at them, and they're like, mm, yeah, we didn't sign that. You're, you know, we're not following that. And the nurses are like shitting their pants. Right. So the army nurses are in the jungle. The Navy nurses get captured. It's a little unclear to me, or maybe I just didn't get it right, what's going on with them because it's still months before the army nurses are going to get captured. Mm -hmm. So I believe they immediately took the Navy nurses to this um, internment camp, which we'll get into a little later. So the army nurses take off into the jungle. They are under the command of Captain Maude Davidson and Lieutenant Josephine Nesbitt. These two ladies. Maud and Joe. Maud. And mm-hmm. then there's Maud. Remember Maud? No. Oh, Again. come on. It was like this Beather crazy. Yeah, I know I who it is. I love but... it. She was such a bitch. Beather in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just saying. So she used to play Maud, and she'd mm-hmm. yell at her husband, Walter, Walter, all the time. And I'd be like, oh, everything's brown, because it was the 70s. 70s. It's a little depressing. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. So... um, Maud mm-hmm. was a badass. Maud is like 57 years old, has been in the military since she was three, um, and she <laughs> doesn't take shit from nobody, so she isn't listening to the me- She's doing what she's got to do. Right. So they go into the jungle. It's a nightmare. They're living in, when you look at the pictures in the book, it's like somebody strung a blanket up and that's their tent. Right. And they're sleeping in it. So, of course, now we're getting malaria. Mm-hmm. We're getting all the usuals. We're getting a little dis and her friend Terry. They're all in there. <laughs> Um, dengue fever, berry, berry, all this weird right. jungle shit they're right. getting. They're sleeping and they're getting bitten by rats in there. So, oh, you know, there's, there's no showers. They're showering and they're washing in the river. Oh, it's getting bad. Oh, and the yeah. food is not good. They're eating whatever they can in the jungle. They're eating monkeys. They're eating these oh, Jesus. weird little water buffalo things. Um, so they're losing weight and they're getting sick. because yeah, I'd be stabbing. Right, in the jungle. Yeah. And... The Japanese are encroaching, so they move to hospital number two, mm-hmm. which makes hospital number one look even nicer. Mm-hmm. They get to hospital t- number two. Um, at one point, one nurse is so sick with malaria and dysentery, she's describing how she jams her arm into the operating room table to prop her up. And she's handing the scalpel to the surgeon who's like shaking like a leaf from mm-hmm. malaria. I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that sounds like it's safe. Real safe. Um, so... As the Japanese are getting closer, they're bombing, so the men are still coming to this hospital. Right. They still have to work. They still have right. to work. But now they, MacArthur's like, get the hell out. Go to Corregidor. Corregidor is an island off of the tip of where, like, the Bataan Peninsula is. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, these nurses think the Pacific Fleet's coming to save them. And right. Nobody they're realizes waiting. they've been decimated. They're not coming. Mm-hmm. Nobody's coming to help you. So they keep thinking, help's on the way, help's on the way. Help is never coming. Oh, they're... They're screwed. So they go to Corregidor. Corregidor's hospital is built under a mountain. So they're in tunnels under this huge, huge mountain. But when they have to evacuate, all the men are literally laying on stretchers waiting for surgery, and they just leave. And some of the nurses, here they are in their 80s, still crying at the fact that they had to leave these men. And the men knew. They knew what was coming. They knew why they were leaving. So the nurses get evacuated to Corregidor. The men, this is kind of a side note, they get captured by the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to World War One, there's uh, World War Two, excuse me, there's a thing called the Bataan Death March. Mm-hmm. This is it. They take 
all of these men and they march them north like 60 to 100 miles away. Oh, my God. These men that were waiting for surgery. Men who were captured, all of them, who were already under the gun. Right. No water, no food, no nothing. So on the march, 20,000 die. And then in the next six months, 40,000 die. And it's known as the Bataan Death March. Jesus. And the Americans don't know any of this for like two more years. They have no clue what's going on. So when the nurses are getting ready to evacuate, they're making suicide kits. They're putting morphine and stuff, and they're rolling it in their hair so you can't see it. Like, remember how they used to wear those, like, kidding you. Ladies are just... Ingenious. 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 Yeah. Like, they just... I don't have enough like, hair to roll I'm going to do my hair up. Yeah. And I'm going to put some morphine and in it. I'm put some morphine in there. Maybe just a in case. Oxy. Who knows? Yeah. But my hair's so straight, it would fall right out. <laughs> yeah, and especially get, in the jungle. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, even, but I would kill for the jungle because there's humidity. As I say, my hair would away. be like, whoosh, whoosh, yeah. to I my could, head with curls. I, I could, could hide the whole fucking OR in your hair. Yeah, I could put anything <laughs> in there. So they make their little suicide kits, and they're also mislabeling the important medications. So when Ooh, the Japanese come in, they think it's like saline, and they don't really care, and they're not looking for it. So the women have kind of snuck all this shit with them. Because we are... With something. These With women something. were badasses, yeah. I'm telling you. So yeah. whatever they can steal for the soldier. And their one focus is not each other. No. The men. Yeah. Take care of the men. Take care of the boys. Make sure they're good. Make sure mm-hmm. they're safe. So like I said, a lot of these women have a really hard time that they had to leave those guys behind. So when they get to Corregidor, MacArthur sends um, two seaplanes to evacuate some of the nurses. And the nurses getting evacuated are the high-ranking nurses they want to go. And some of them got sick and injured during some of these bombings. Mm-hmm. Some of them on the list are like, nope, I can't leave. I can't leave these other nurses there. So they refuse to go. So they pile, I think, 11 into these two seaplanes. Mm-hmm. One seaplane makes it to Australia. The other seaplane takes water on, <gasps> crashes. Not crashes, but emergency landing on an occupied island. They hide, they hide, they hide, they capture. So these women who think they're getting away, psh, they get back up. Some of the Navy nurses get away on a submarine, but not a ton. So you still have quite a few nurses who are going to get captured. So they go to Corregidor. They're operating in these tunnels under the ground. It's hot. It smells. It's dark. And they're getting bombed relentlessly just by the Japanese getting killed. And, you know, every time they're operating, dust is coming down. And it's ridiculous. I worked once where, do you remember, um, we had this old GYN doctor. Mm -hmm. And he was mean. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we're operating. And they're banging on the roof mm-hmm. over the OR and we got this big open belly and he's swearing tell him to stop tell him to stop and the nurse calls you're going to stop the bed tell him to stop and I'm watching as a piece of paint flies off the ceiling from the banging and lands in the wound and I'm like shit <laughs> shit do I tell him because if I tell him he's going to completely lose his mind right. or do I just let this poor lady just get more antibiotics and sew that shit up I'm like no I guess no, you tell so I'm like um <clears throat> Doctor, um, paint fell in the wound. He's like, what? I'm like, some of the paint from the ceiling <laughs> fell into like the belly. Like you did it. Yeah. Like, yeah and yeah. he's like, no! Oh! And he just rips his gown and gloves off and goes storming out. Five minutes later, dead silence. I bet. I don't know what happened up there. Mm-hmm. Dead silence. These women, they're just working with the dirt. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, maybe he should have taken a lesson from them. Right. But that was something. Well, ladies adapt to their yeah. environment. I'll tell you, that was one of the hottest times. Like, and I don't have a problem speaking up. No. That wasn't easy. Just waiting. <laughs> that wasn't easy at all. Um, so eventually, May 6th, um, Corregidor gets captured. The nurses are brought up. Everybody's brought up. The Japanese are there. 
the nurses are so terrified, they actually sign a bed sheet. All of them sign their names on a bed sheet so that if they never are seen again, people know who was on that island. Hmm. And the Japanese scoop them up, and they put them on a boat, taking them back to the Philippines. And I have to say this, some of these nurses were so sick that the Japanese medics came over and were helping them because they felt bad. Wow. So they weren't treated like they thought they were going to be treated. They were right. giving them medications. They were helping them. So they take them to Santa Thomas internment camp. Um, and this is the first time these women have seen real food in a long time. Mm-hmm. Santa Thomas was, um, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, it's like Santo Tomas or something. Um, it was a university at one time, and they've turned it into an internment camp. Mm-hmm. So these women are not being put with the POW men. They're put with military families, so there's children in this camp, there's old men in this camp, there's Filipino people who were um, American allies mm-hmm. that they've decided to put them all in this camp. So Maud, and then there's Maud, and so Maud, um, she takes charge. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Maud, like, she's what we would call a shtaka. Like yeah. My mother always would say, she's a shtaka. She's a shtaka. She's like built like a brick house. Right. She's not taking shit. No. So the Japanese, they think it's hysterical to see women in uniform. Never heard of such a thing. They think it's ridiculous. So they're going to have the women clean the toilets. Maud's oh. like, fuck that. Nope, not happening. She goes up in the guy's face. She's like, nope, we're going to run the infirmary. He's like, you clean the toilet. She's like, no, we're not. And because Japanese respect their elders so much, they run the infirmary. <laughs> so she has... Army and Navy alike, she takes over everybody. Mm -hmm. So I was speaking to a friend who had been a military nurse, and I was kind of grilling her a little bit. And she said, in a POW situation, the highest ranking officer takes control. It doesn't matter who is is in there. Mm -hmm. You're running the show. So she, I am assuming, because she's the highest ranking official as an Army nurse, takes over. Navy nurses aren't so jazzed about Maud. Let's just say that. So she has them working four-hour shifts. She has them in uniforms just to keep, like, a routine going. And these women, like... Now you're getting bed bugs, and Ugh. it's not terrible. Like, they're going to classes, believe it or not, and they're, the food's okay, and they're growing little gardens, and they have little things, but, you know, they're packed in. There's, like, 3,000 people in this camp, and right. there's no room. Like, think of the snoring you're going to hear in okay. this, like, and the smell. Like, and there's no showers, so they're doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. They'd wash their clothes, but you couldn't leave them because somebody would steal them, so... And they're not getting... A ton of food but they're eating like mm-hmm. the kids in the camp would hang around the Japanese soldiers because they knew the Japanese would feel bad mm-hmm. and give them food if they hung around long enough so for two years this is how the routine goes they're just hanging chilling doing their thing and it's kind of boring by I believe it's like 1943 um, in that area the Imperial Japanese Army takes over the camp mm-hmm. and they also open up a second camp called Los Banos and of the bathrooms I think so Maybe. Maybe it was a big latrine. I think that's what Los Banos Maybe. That's 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 the L-O-S-B-A-N-O-S. Los Banos. completely losing touch. Um, Maybe in the Philippines it means something else. Maybe. I don't know. So it's called Los Banos. Flush. Um, So they want 800 volunteers to go, and the navies and nurses are like, me, 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 we'll go. Get us (laughs) the fuck away from the army. We'll go. Maud is killing us. Maud is out of control. So they go. The na- now they're separate. The army stays. The navy nurses go. And at first they're like, "This is fucking great because mm-hmm. it's space. Everybody's leaving us alone." Blah 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 blah. Fifteen hundred people come in. Now it's right back to square one. Right. When the imperial army comes in, they immediately start reducing rations. So their food gets significantly cut, mm-hmm. and it gets cut, and it gets cut, and it gets cut, and it gets cut. 
till they're eating basically gruel. And whatever they are eating isn't, it's got worms in it, it's got right. weevils. I don't even know what a weevil is. It's got to be in that leech family. We know how I feel about leeches. Yeah, we don't like those. Weevils, nope, no nope. set. So, um, chicken pox, measles, diphtheria flying through the camp, and everybody, the ner- everybody's getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Mm-hmm. At one point, they hear the Japanese say, We're going to starve them out, basically. And when you watch this documentary with the nurses, they're like, We never dreamed we were going to spend another Christmas in this place. Right. So now they've gone through another Christmas. But the Americans have started it fighting in the Pacific. Midway has happened, and if you watch anything on Midway, it's like the turning point of the war. So right. finally the Americans get a win, and they're starting to take the islands back. Mm-hmm. So as the Americans are getting closer to the camps, the Japanese are like, if you didn't bow to them properly, they kill you. Mm-hmm. Everything became an offense because now they're trying to really exert their power. Right. So the again, the, the nurses are in separate camps, and up to eight people a day are dying in these camps from starvation. Ugh. And these nurses are down like 60 pounds. They're they, they emaciated. So um, on February 3rd, 1945, Marine Corps planes fly over the camp. And they fly so low that they can see the pilots' faces. And mm-hmm. these women are like, oh my god, these are Americans. And they drop some goggles out of the plane. And there's a note saying, Christmas is today or tomorrow. Japanese put them all in the, in the things. Don't look out the windows, we'll shoot you, you do it, they're stuck in this building. Mm-hmm. That night, electricity goes out, mm-hmm. and you have to remember, these women have been away from society for three years, so even the military equipment has changed, so they don't know the sound of tanks and stuff, they right. haven't heard them. Right. And one woman's like, you just heard this roar coming through, and the gates crash, and they were like, what? You know, they're terrified, they don't know what's going right. on. And then they hear, hello, folks. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Americans. And I get crying listening yeah. to this because you can only imagine. The, they, they rush out. The crowd starts singing, God bless America. They're, mm-hmm. And they, they're just beside themselves. Yeah. But there's still fighting going on. Right. So they're bringing in injured. And these emaciated, sick-ass women mm-hmm. go right back to uh, doing surgery. They, they bend down. They just start helping these guys. Mm-hmm. It's like... Oh my God! Right, you, right. You know you're done. You know you're getting right. saved. But, but I gotta they, go to work. They gotta go to work and then pick me up. They after. can barely stand up. Right. Like, and the soldiers would come in and give them food, and they'd start throwing it up because they can't take food that quick. Right. So one woman's like, I took a bite of my chocolate bar and I hid it because you were always hiding food. She's like, to this day, I still hide my food yeah. because you just didn't have any food. So, um, you know, at one point, one of the doctors is like, one of the new doctors is like, we need penicillin. And the nurse is like, I don't, what is that? So penicillin had come in, all this stuff had come into you. She's like, you didn't even know the new medicine coming up. So after six days after the army nurses get liberated, a hundred new army nurses come in and these women finally get to go home. So for six days after their liberation, they're still working. Meanwhile, the Navy nurses, nobody knows about Los Banos. Mm -hmm. They're still stuck up there. So, oh, Maude's looking, yeah. not looking so bad now. Maude, she's stuck with Maude. Yeah. I'm just saying, she may be a bitch, but she got freed three weeks before you ladies did. So, February 23rd, the nurses in Los Banos, all of a sudden, the gates come crashing. No, she was looking out the window, and they see paratroopers. And she's like, oh, my God, this parachute's coming down. Again, the Japanese start ushering them all in, don't want them out in the yard. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, the Americans come crashing through, but... The Americans were doing like a um, like a behind-the-lines mission. Mm-hmm. So they were in ter- enemy territory. So it's not like the other one where they've kind of captured the city back. Now they're like, we got to do this quick because there's 8,000 Japanese soldiers a mile away. Right. And once they know we're, we're here, they're coming. 
Right. So they'll, and the women are like, but we have to get this. So they burn the camp down to keep the women and everybody from going back and getting their shit. Oh my God. Get out. Let's go. Let's go. So they, they haul them out. So the reason there was part of this urgency is because the Japanese had ordered, had orders as soon as they were done with their morning exercises, kill everybody in the camp. Yeah. That's how close they cut it. Um, so the troops come in, they rescue them. So now they're coming home. Army nurses come home to fanfare and everything. The Navy nurses, crickets. Nobody's there for them. I don't know why really? that happened. Yeah, that. But all of these nurses were like, it didn't hit us till you pulled in the harbor of America. She's <laughs> like, and one woman's bawling her eyes out telling you this. She's like, you don't realize what you have till mm. it's taken away from you and how great this country is. Mm-hmm. And it was just the best feeling. So they come back, little to no recognition of what they did. Mm-hmm. And they come back sick as shit. One of the nurses had such bad TB, the doctor's like, you got five years, you're done. Oh. And she gets healthy, but anytime she would go back to work, TB would come back. No. Arthritis from the beriberi, which makes your joints swell and everything. Yeah. Chronic life problems. Yeah. Mentally, they're trying to talk about it with people, and nobody wants to hear it. No. They don't, they're downplaying what the women went through. They mm-hmm. don't want to hear it. They want to do the 40s, whitewash it with right. the bells of Bataan, yeah. put you on a war bonds mm-hmm. tour. They don't want to know mentally what you went through. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, you think you had it bad? Well, we were standing in lines, and we were doing this. Right. And she's like, I got to talk about it. Nobody wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Many of them got married within weeks. Marrying oh other POWs, like weeks. They were days they're married. Um, so it isn't until, I believe, the 90s that these women are finally recognized mm-hmm. for what they did. And, and even nurses in general, the, the Korean War nurses, the um, Vietnam nurses, like these nurses see things people shouldn't be seeing. Right. It's something. And they're in, they're on the, they're right there. Like it's happening right there. Like they're seeing. And their supplies, they're making do. There's no, right. oh, oh no. I don't have that, I can't use it. Right. You're going to use what you got. Right, they're so it. quick like to, to be able to think of Right, they have like nothing, and no. then they have to save these people with nothing, and right. they're just on the fly. So when you watch MASH, mm-hmm. like they weren't mobile hospitals, but these women were like the first MASH unit. Mm-hmm. And when you watch MASH, I used to love to watch it because yeah. it was the OR, and you just, it's they. That's what it was like. Right. That's really what it was like. So on March 2013, the last nurse passed away, Mildred Manning, and there were movies about it. You know cry something, I don't know. Again, in the 40s movie, like, look how fabulous it was to be a POW. Like, they really whitewashed this yeah. shit. It's pretty pretty interesting. Um, I honestly don't know if some of our coworkers today would ever be able to do what these nurses did. I, And I'm not saying this as a insult to them. They weren't trained no. at all to no. do this stuff. I mean, they didn't have... They went in blind. They thought they were going on blind. vacation right. and ended up POWs for And they three saved years. all these people's lives, and they were in this camp yep. like for years and years and, and just worked and And their presence in the camp kept the rest of the camp calm. Right. And so these soldiers would come back. Because like, when you hear war, it's always from the male point of view. Mm-hmm. I'm not this big women's liver. I'm not like, oh, you know, women are great. We, we are equal, though. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all men. There right. was a great support of women. And to just not get acknowledged at all. Like, right. You never hear the story from the women's point of view. Yeah. Um, and they put the men first. Right, and they that, themselves and that, did that. In that 1940s mentality, right. they put the men first. Mm-hmm. But the men were all thankful for these women because right. they kept them calm. Mm-hmm. So that's my story of the Bells of Bataan, right. also known as the Angels of Bataan. Well, my um, 
one of them that I looked up, I mean, there's so many, there's so many articles on different nurses and through all the wars and it's, it's, it was hard to choose, like mm-hmm. hard to narrow them down. But I did um, find this article on this woman, um, Colonel Ruby Bradley. Ruby. Mm-hmm. I love that name. It's not as good as Maud, but I'll take no. it. So she had no Maud. <laughs> she was an army nurse in the Philippines, what you were just talking about. So she was born on December 19th, um, 1907. Mm. She's one of the most decorated women in U.S. military history. Um, she entered the United States Army Nurse Corps as a surgical nurse, which... Is what we are. I mean, I like her even more. <laughs> in 1934. Um, and she's, she was serving at Camp John Hay in the Philippines. And she was captured, like you said, on um, December 21st, 1941, three weeks after the Pearl Harbor bomb- bombing. Um, in 1943, she's still a POW, but and they move her to that Santo... Tomas internment camp in Manila. And where Maud was. Where Maud was. I love Maud. But she, <laughs> so she gets moved there when the Japanese Imperial Army takes it over and the rations are cut, cut, cut. Like assholes. it's not. They were assholes. It's really not good mm. when she gets moved there. Um, and she and several of the other, other nurses earn the name the Angels in Fatigues. Because mm. like you said, like the, the men there were just like, we saw them and we were calm. Yep. We saw them and they made everything better. Um, she provided medical care to the prisoners. She smuggled food to the starving kids that were in the camp. She would shove scraps from her food into her pockets and smuggle them into the camp. It sounds like they all did that. They yeah, I'm sure they all had pockets full of food right. that they would give to other people and they'd at be their hungry. own expense. Right, yes. they'd be going hungry to feed these, yep. especially the kids. Um, and then, of course, she lost a ton of weight. And as she lost the weight, she used the extra room in her uniform to smuggle in surgical equipment into the POW camp to then help the PO, like the other POWs. And how much weight are you lo- like that you can shove? So you can put like a Balfour in there. And right. It's like, what is that? Oh, it's just my ribs. You can start seeing everything now. It's, <laughs> it's not a metal instrument. Um, she ended up assisting in assisting in two hundred and thirty operations, and she helped deliver thirteen children while she was a prisoner. Can you imagine having a baby? No, while these you're a prisoner of war? No. Like, as if it doesn't suck bad enough. Right, you don't have to bring itself. a child into this. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. And on February 3rd, 1945, when the U.S. troops captured the camp, um, Ruby was set free. She weighed 86 pounds. Oof. When they that's like finally... That's anorexic. You know, those I mean, that's, that's almost are 86 death. pounds. Yeah. yeah. And she's still working. Yeah. At 86 yep. pounds. I think that's the only thing that kept them alive. I really do. The job. Yep. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do this. Yep. I have I got to help them. Yep. yep. Um, so she goes back to the U.S. and she continues her career in the Army because that wasn't enough. Five years God love her. BMW was right. enough of the sacrifice. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to give you the rest of my fucking life, right. too. Yeah. She, this woman is like, I mean, she's straight. Dedicated. She's like, yep, let's go. I can promise you I'm not that dedicated to anything. No, I probably just come home nope, and get married like, in I'm a done. few days. Yep, I'm done. I'm living a life of leisure from now on. I'm going to be, I'm going to do anything but this. Yeah, not her. Um, so she continues, continues her career. She receives her Bachelor of Science degree. Oh, she just for her. goes, goes she's for it. trucking. Yep. Um, and then during the Korean War, because she's still serving. Um, she becomes hot lips to a hand. Yeah. She <laughs> serves as chief nurse for the 171st Evacuation Hospital. She goes back to, to do it again. To do it all over again. And can you imagine what she must have been like? Seen it, done it, been this. Yeah, got it. Don't even tell yeah, me. Step aside. Got it, yeah. yeah. I'm Listen. sure how we did it. Right. Yeah. 
This is how we did it back in World War II. This is kind of how like I am now. <laughs> Open appies, please. You don't even know. Yeah, I got this. I got this. I got. It. I got you covered. So, um, in November 1950, during the Chinese counteroffensive in Korea, she rece- refused to leave the um, hospital she was at while the Chinese are trying to take it over. Ass and elbows is what you've seen me. I'd be <laughs> gone. Nope. Ass and elbows. No, nope. bye. <laughs> Until all of her sick and wounded patients in the hospital. Now, she's the chief nurse, so it's not just her, you know, three patients. Right. It's the Everybody. entire hospital's. Um, all those patients are on a plane. She's not leaving until they're all on the plane. Did they all get on the plane? She says this and does this as 100,000 Chinese soldiers are advancing. Could you, they're like ants. 100,000? 100,000 are advancing on the spot where she is, the hospital where she is. And she's She's like, nope, these guys are getting on. She, she jumps on board the plane just as her ambulance explodes from an um, enemy shell. This woman. It's like a movie. It is. It's, it's How is it not a movie about this lady? Sh- there should be. It's yeah. ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? There's all these movies, and this woman has this, yeah. like, crazy story. Like, you wouldn't even believe You'd be like, oh, God, who made this up? Yeah. Like, oh, you were a POW, and now you're, you're going to be like, okay, no, I'm staying. <laughs> right. Like, it's, nope. I will save you. She jumps on the plane as her ambulance explodes and gets away. And in 1951, she's still working. Um, she was named chief nurse for the 8th Army. She supervised 500 Army nurses all over Korea. Don't tell me she then goes on to Vietnam, because I'm going to throw up. No. All right. um, she was promoted to the rank of colonel in 1958, and she retired, finally, from the Army in 1963. She literally was on the beginnings of Vietnam. Oh, I mean, she barely. Yeah, she, she I can't believe like five more years. Yeah. She'd have had three wars covered. Yeah. And she'd probably kick ass in that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. She'd be jumping out of helicopters. I know. Yeah, she'd probably like, 80, like oh. I got some penicillin. <laughs> I get your penicillin right here. Good. Um, her, so like I said, she's one of the most decorated women in uh, yeah. military history. Yeah, honestly. I'd say. Yep. Um, she has, her military record includes 34 decorations, medals, and other awards. And here are some of them. This, only, only some. This is going to take we don't have time to eight cover minutes. All of them. The Legion of Merit. <laughs> The Bronze Star, the Army Commendation Medal, Prisoner of War Medal, Presidential Unit Citation, um, Meritorious Unit Commendation, American Defense Service Medal, American Campaign Medal, World War II Victory Medal, Army of Occupation Medal, National Defense Service Medal, Korean Service Medal, Philippine Defense Medal, Philippine Liberation Medal, UN Service Medal, Jesus and Christ. the Florence Nightingale Medal. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. That's a that. big wall. To hang that shit on. Yeah. It's a big wall. Yeah. So this woman, I just couldn't. You can't tell them all. How big does your chest have to be? Does she have those old lady boobs that come way out? She would have to, to hold metals? all the metals. Oh, yeah. Like those big fat all the boobs. Bars. That, like, and all of them up. are like, I don't, because I don't know about like the, I'm like, it's awful. It's like, this one has this with it. Like it all well, is those I, and more. I'm probably wrong. Right. And I'm sure every military person listening is going to Right. Go that's honest, what I feel about. But I believe you have the actual metal. Mm-hmm. And then you have the ribbon that you wear in uniform because well, you couldn't possibly. It's you'd the be metal, like the Bugs Bunny cartoon with the big bar. Metal, metal with oak leaves. Metal yes. with this. So it's like more. It's just more. Like she just. They couldn't more, give her enough. More. But I thought she was just. That's something. I thought she was yeah. just crazy. That was. I thought she was awesome. Yeah, because she is. Yeah. I, they should make a movie out of her. That's it. They really. I like think you should all. Play her. <laughs> I should. Play I'll her. play Maud. Yeah. And you can play Ruby. You can be Maud. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Ruby and Maud. <laughs> I think I'm going to start a sitcom. Ruby and Maud. 
I'll wear the long brown jackets that Maude would wear, and you could wear the, the medals from Ruby. Okay. I'll have to get you a really big shirt, though. And you're going to have to get the old lady boobs. I was, was going to say, I'll get you the <laughs> padded thing. Padded bra. But that was, um, that I was, was a, I think her. that was pretty good. I thought that was amazing. Did you have a current day lady you were going to talk about? I do have this lady. She, it's a, this story is a little sad, though. But it is a current day lady. All right, hit me with it. All right. Sock it to me. This is from the, this article I found was from the wash. That all I got from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. This article is from um, the Washington Times. It was written by Adam Ashton. Um, in 2014. So there was this army nurse, Captain Jennifer Moreno. Um, and she, the choices this woman made, I don't think anybody, uh, anybody would. would be brave enough so, to make. All right, so I say, like, I don't know if our generation would do it, but then you see women of do our it. generation doing they do it. it. They do do it. Yep. And, and they're, I think when you go in the military, it just is a different mindset. Yeah. You're just in a different place than yeah. most of us. So I think it's, I commend them. Even... Even in that, though, this, like, she's just... She's above and beyond. She's so brave. So she makes all these choices in her life that lead her up to this moment, and then even in her last moments, she makes, like, a the brave choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, she decided to become an Army nurse. Um, she was stationed out of Madigan Army Medical Center in Tacoma, Washington. She also volunteered for a very dangerous assignment supporting special ops in combat. Yeah. yeah. On October 5th, 2013, um, Jennifer and dozens of Army special operators were involved in a battle while they were trying to disrupt a plot to kill civili- kill civilians in Kandahar. And she's a nurse? She's a nurse. But Why she, is she in there? She volunteered to go with these special operations. Not doing nursing. She's just no, hanging out. as a nurse. She, But she goes with them. So like when, if some, when something so goes wrong. she's kind of like a, a corpsman for the Marines. Like she's in the fighting with them. Yes. Okay. And she's there. So like when they get shot or blown up, she is there at the time and runs to them to help. Like a med, um, you know, yeah. they yell like medic. Really That's hers. More knowledge. Of, no, I'm not even going to say that because those medics know their shit too. So. Right. No, it, it, it's like, a, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm hit. Come, Come help me. Yeah. And that's what she did. She was out the there whole... all the time. Yeah. That's, she was with them. So 12 bombs exploded that night, killing four U.S. soldiers and wounding at least 25. Um, so the soldiers approach a compound in Kandahar's Zari district. Um, they called out for the insurgents to surrender. Nobody does. So it's not a good start. Yeah. It's going to um, get ugly. Yeah. An Afghan woman comes out of the compound, and she detonates a suicide vest. You knew that was coming. Yeah. knew that you were going to say that. Yep. That killed her, and it wounded six soldiers. It also set off another bomb nearby. I don't like any religion so much, I'd blow myself up for it. I don't know that I like I anything I never that much. blow myself up. I, 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 so two soldiers <clears throat> run to help the wounded, and they set off the third bomb. Because it's just a minefield yep. around this compound. Um, an Afghan insurgent had run away from the compound, and they, he detonated a fourth bomb which was another suicide vest, killed himself in a military dog named, I don't know how they said it, Johnny or J-A-N-I. Jennifer Moreno heard a staff sergeant yell for help for a wounded soldier. She also heard, almost simultaneously, the battle's ground commander tell all the soldiers, stay where you are. Because they they now know it's a minefield. Nobody move. It's a minefield. Jennifer received a bronze star, which describes the choice she made. 
So this was a quote. Disregarding her own well-being, Moreno unhesitatingly moved to assist soldiers upon realizing the severity of the wounds sustained by her fellow teammates. While in transit, Moreno detonated device number five and was killed in action. So she she heard it, but she heard the call for help, so she went, I'm helping, and runs out. And got blown up. Yep. Um, Captain, Captain Amanda King wrote in Jennifer's eulogy, none of us would have done what you did. Running into hell to save your wounded brothers, knowing full well you probably wouldn't make it back. The battle's still not over. Sergeant Patrick Hawkins and um, Specialist Cody Patterson of the Georgia-based 3rd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, then made their move to get to the wounded soldiers. Patterson stepped on a mine, which was the 6th bomb, and stumbled onto the 7th bomb, killing him and Hawkins. Uh, especially, it's like a nightmare. Luck. It's like just you a didn't nightmare. step on one; you stepped on two. Right, you hit one and then fell onto the other. Special Agent Joseph M. Peters was a military police unit was in a military police unit based in Italy. He cleared a helicopter landing zone for medical evacuations and set off the eighth and ninth bomb. Oh my! And was fatally wounded. God. Yeah. Specialist Samuel Crockett risked his life over a two-hour rescue. He came in with. Um, a bunch of soldiers. He was a specialist in clearing mines and rescuing wounded soldiers. That was his... Imagine job. that being his specialty. Nope, 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 nope. Um, nope. So he... Crockett, I want to be like in the office handing out like forms. I know. I really I don't know. want to be clearing mines. No, it takes a I don't want to be the radio person. guy that they're going to shoot because you're calling for help. Right. I don't want to be the corpsman who mm. they're looking for because no. you're helping. I don't want, no. no. I don't, I want to but be these like, people you know, do. And the they cook. do it. Yeah. Um, so Crockett clears a space for medics to work. And he helped, iso- he helped isolated ranges navigate back through the minefield to safety. He retrieved Hawkins, Johnny, and some sensitive military equipment. Going after the dog. Yeah, he got the dog. I love him even more. I know. The body of Hawkins and some specialized military equipment. I don't know what it was, but he need- they Something needed it Something you didn't want the insurgents getting. Yep. Um, three soldiers from Crockett's unit set off the 11th blast while trying to recover, his gen- recover Jennifer's body. Um, Crockett got on the ground and hand swept the ground for mines to get his soldiers back out. He hand swept it. What fucking award did he get for that? Yeah. Because that's something. Yeah. Um, when he got to one of the soldiers, he applied a tourniquet to his right leg that was lost in the explosion and dragged him to the medics. He's Um, like far as gum. Yeah. He went back for the last injured soldier and set off the 12th bomb. Did he die? Nope. How badly maimed? No. They... He has all these awards. He goes on. He's just this guy that... Oh, my God. Yeah. So all these... I mean, all of them are heroes. Yeah. That was just... Could you imagine living through that, though? Like, Mm-mm. these poor guys are coming back, and we're trying to put them right back in society, and this is what they're living with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you want them to go work at, like, Home Depot. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, after they did something like that. Right. Yep. But wow. that was... I told that one because of the nurse, Jennifer Marino. That's something. And just hearing, I need help. And going. And don't go. And she went anyways just to help. I don't know if I'd go. I mean, I don't know what you do. You're torn, though, because you're hearing these guys crying for help. Right. And that's heart-wrenching. Right. That's, I'm here to help you. Yeah. And they don't want me to. I, I don't know. Yeah. Awful situation. Nightmare. Absolute but nightmare. Hero, nonetheless. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. All of them. Everybody. I was, 
I was going to go in the Navy um, when I was in the nurse in nurse in the nursing school in the nursing when school. I was in nursing school. Uh, they were offering like, we'll pay you books, we'll apartment. I'm like, oh, I want to live at home. This would be great. <laughs> um, and I figured if I can't find a man in the Navy, I'm not ever finding a man. Yeah, like, you're I'm, out of luck. I'm out of luck. Mm-hmm. And my mother, who doesn't always give the best advice, was like, wait, just wait mm-hmm. until you get out of nursing school. I'm like, no, but she's like, just wait. Mm-hmm. I started nursing school in 1999, mm-hmm. 2001 happened. Had I enlisted, I'd have been sent right after nursing yeah. school over there. And I would have landed in 2003, which mm-hmm. was like the worst right. fighting. And my husband was like, you know, if if you go in the Navy, we're not going to be dating anymore. Right. Um, a part of me still wishes I had done it. <laughs> I still wish I, the world you could see. I but know. then, then I you get in situations like that. I don't know where... how I would do in a situation like that. Yeah. I don't know. And I... Just commend these people oh. and thank them every day for yep. making the choice I couldn't make in mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. Yep. So I guess in honor of Memorial Day, mm-hmm. um, thank you, all of you, for your thank service. You. And for those who have died, helping us to put a podcast on yep. and keep our freedom free. So yep. thank you. And uh, we're going to call it a wrap for this episode. I think so. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.